morning. Morning. Hey, welcome if you're joining us online. Hey guys, last night I had a big night out. And um, I drove to Sheffield and um, I, with a mate, and I appreciate I'm going to lose the respect of most of you in this room, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because I went to an S Club concert. And it was absolutely amazing. Like, honestly, it was like, some of you don't even care, but I was there and I was, it, I was in my happy place. Honestly, it was absolutely outstanding. You remember the song, Reach for the Stars, yeah? Yeah. And uh, I got complimented on my dance moves, so, you know. This, anyway, I'm not going to do it. Um, no, okay. Uh, anyway, um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago at John Bodley's commissioning, you will have heard John and Debbie describe John using these words. Outward looking, compassionate, naturally supernatural, relational, generous, servant-hearted, and doing things well. And these little seven phrases, they're actually what we call our hallmarks here. And uh, today we're starting a new series where we, over the next few weeks we're going to be taking a look at them. And if our vision statement... You know, if our vision statement describes what we do as a church, then the hallmarks, they're kind of like how we do it. They're the way we do what we do. They describe the type of community and the people that we want to be. And of course, whilst they do describe John, they don't just describe John, they describe hundreds of us here in this church because they're in the fabric of the church, they're in our DNA. Not just when we're gathered here on a Sunday, but throughout the week in schools and workplaces, universities, in homes. You know, I think of a member of this church who just a couple of weeks ago had a really serious fall, was very unwell, and a number of people in this church reached out to her in the most amazing ways. They were relational and they were compassionate. I met some people the other Sunday who were here because their neighbour had been outward looking and invited them to come here. They've now come here, they're exploring faith. I think of some friends of mine who were in this church and the other night um, they're married and they were going to bed and uh, the wife felt really, really sick. And so the husband reached across and prayed for her and she was instantly healed in that moment. So much so that they were both in, apparently in total hysterics. Uh, they were being naturally supernatural. I think of somebody who, uh, and someone from our Iranian community who came to this church and they walked, listen to this, over an hour and a half to get to church to be on one of our teams. Why? Because they've got a servant heart. I think of someone in this church who uh, was buying something off Facebook Marketplace and they go there and uh, they end up having a conversation about faith with the seller, so much so that they give the seller twice what they're asking for because they wanted to communicate something of God's generosity. I think of how brilliantly we've celebrated John and Debbie these last few weeks because we love to do things well. I love it. Like they're just a few examples, but I could share more because these hallmarks, they're just so true of us as a church, aren't they? They're so true of us, but of course, they're things that we long to be more true of us because all of us can grow in them and we should want to grow in them. Why? Because as I pick up this book and we pick up the scriptures and we read about the person of Jesus, they're fundamentally qualities of Jesus. So yes, of course, at Trent, they're our hallmarks. But just to be clear, we didn't invent them. We copied them or even plagiarized them, actually, in the best possible sense of the way from Jesus. And rightly so, because that's how we follow him. Because ultimately, if we're on a journey of wanting to know Jesus more, wanting to become more like him, then really growing in these things is a really good litmus test as to how we're doing. So this morning, we're kicking off, 
with the hallmark of outward looking. And when I start talking about outward looking, I wonder what thoughts or feelings come up in this room. Some of you are like, yes, come on, let's go. You love it. But I wonder if there's many more of us in this room, probably myself included, are like, oh no, this is the one I don't feel like I'm necessarily smashing. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to hold on and to to be comforted because we're going to look at the scriptures this morning and see how compelling it is. And if you think I've got this fully nailed, just to let you know, I haven't. I've got my own sort of moments where I look back and think that was a disaster, that was a bit of a failure. Like the time I went to Sainsbury's and I had this idea with some friends where we would pay for people's trolleys. So we had all these pounds and we were handing out pounds to put in people's trolleys. And then we were sort of inviting them along to church. And basically what happened is people just thought we were trying to rob them. They thought we were trying to rob them of the pounds. And actually we got kicked off Sainsbury's property. Um, Thankfully it was temporary, not permanent. But it was kind of embarrassing. But you know, when we read the scriptures, it's so compelling. Because right at the heart of the gospel, the very fact that Jesus came was, of course, God looking out. Like God looking out, stepping in, moving outwards to save us. I'd love you to check out this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says this, pretty challenging quote. The church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, they're simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. And you see, the thing is, when you spend some time reading the Gospels, you see this kind of outward-looking loop that goes a little bit like this. You see Jesus inviting people to come and follow him, to come and see, come and see. And then, once they've seen, you see him sending people out to go and tell. It starts with just a few of them, then there's 12, then there's 72. And before long, Jesus is basically saying, all of you that would call you guys my followers, you've got to go to everyone, everywhere. People are coming to see, others are going to tell, so that more might come and see, so that others might go and tell, so that others might come and see, and the loop goes on. So today what I want to do is spend some time looking at this loop. Come and see Jesus. Go and tell. Everyone, everywhere. You with me? Love it. Okay, number one, come and see Jesus. Come and see Jesus. You could basically look anywhere in the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, and see this come and see invitation. But today we're going to be based in John 1, which is where Jesus recruits his first disciples. So the first encounter, what we've got is we've got John the Baptist, and he's there with two of his disciples. He's there with Andrew, and possibly John, who's the author of this Gospel. And they see Jesus walking by. This is what happens. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's the first encounter. There's then a second encounter when Jesus recruits Philip in verse 43. It says this, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. 
And if you read on in these scriptures, what you see is that these disciples, they, they, they uh, accept the invitation to come and see. And their lives are literally turned around forever because that's what happens when you come and see Jesus. Uh, just this week, I asked a couple of friends, what difference has Jesus made in your life? And they said this. One of them said this. Before I met Jesus, I was insecure and a bully. Now I live with freedom and security. Another one said, before I met Jesus, I was in debt, I was empty, but now I'm free. I'm lighter and I'm full of purpose. And I wonder if you're here today and you'd call yourself a follower of Jesus. What would your before be? Before I met Jesus, I was, insert the gap. Since I followed Jesus, I'm now this, because there will be a change. And so before we go any further today, the question I want to ask is have we seen Jesus? Like, have you seen Jesus? Some of you are here for the first time today and the invitation is there to come and see Jesus, to make a decision to follow him for the first time. But for many others, I wonder if today is a moment just to lift our eyes again, just like we did in the worship, but to lift our eyes upon his goodness and his mercy, his kindness, his freedom, his love over and over again. Because it's where a journey starts with Jesus, but we've got to keep coming back, you see, because we come and see him. We come and see him. We come and see him. Uh, just the other week, I, um, I went on a retreat day, uh, all on my one, by myself, went to um, a shepherd's hut and um, a retreat centre. There's no sheep there, so I wasn't shepherding or anything. Um, but it was chucking it down with rain. And so I was sort of trapped in this shepherd's hut. And um, as I sat there, I just invited the Lord's presence to just come and meet with me. And I sat there, honestly, just for hours and hours. And I turned my phone off, which was probably the biggest miracle of the day. But I just sat there, just reflecting upon my story. I was like, Lord, how did I get to this point? You know, it'd been a crazy season coming off the back of DTI and the leadership transition here at Trent. And I was just tracking like, my relationship with God, his faithfulness through all the ups and the downs, through all the seasons. And as I pondered again, it was like I literally like, saw him again with fresh eyes. It wasn't like I'd been distant from him, but I saw him again with fresh eyes. Jesus, who died for me, who set me free, who promised to be with me, who loves me, like way more than anybody else possibly could. My faithful friend, my Lord, my Saviour. And it reminded me of that moment where I told you about it a few weeks back, where the young people at DTI spontaneously started singing, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. I just want you. And I wonder if that's the place, if we'd call ourselves a follower of Jesus, if we're in that place where we're saying, I just want you, because there's so many distractions, isn't there? There's so many other things that vie for our attention. But I felt like the Lord would say this morning, cast your eyes again on him. Because once you've seen, then you can go. Come and see, go and tell. Let me tell you about one of my mates, Rich. Uh, he didn't know Jesus, but he came to uni with no faith background, and he took up this invitation to come and see Jesus. He came here to Trent, and an alpha course, and he ended up meeting Jesus on 20 years. And he is now still following Jesus. It wasn't an in-the-moment situation. He serves Jesus as a GP. He's leading a site at a church, and every opportunity he gets, he's inviting his colleagues. He's inviting them to come and see Jesus, his colleagues, his friends, his family. But you've got to ask the question, why was he even on the alpha course? 
How did he end up there? Well, it was because, you see, his mate Matt had told him about Jesus. Because here's the thing, for pretty much every come and see moment, there had to have been a go and tell moment. You see, Matt had come and seen Jesus, and then he went and told so that Rich could come and see, so that Rich could go and tell. You see, the loop goes round and round again, and it moves on to our second point today, go and tell everyone, everywhere. You see, that's exactly what happens with his disciples. Uh, Back to John chapter 1. We're going to take a look at verse 41. And so these disciples, they've already accepted Jesus' come and see invitation, but they just couldn't contain the news. It was like, it was like bubbling up out of them. And so they go and tell their friends, verse 41. The first thing, note, it wasn't the last thing. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And I love this moment. I love it. We had it loads of time because Jesus not only knows his name, but he also knows who he's going to become. And he calls him Peter. And, and a side moment here, and it is a side moment, but I just love this interaction because John is intentionally using the words here, the Messiah and the Christ, because he's trying to show these guys, Jesus is the one that the scriptures prophesy and predict and talk about. He is the one. He's the one. And so Andrew's and John's come and see moment becomes their go and tell moment so that Peter has a come and see. Love it. And the same thing happens with Philip, uh, the other disciple we met earlier. He can't contain the news either. And he goes to his mate Nathaniel, he's got a load of questions, but we pick it up in verse 46. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You see, Nathanael came and saw, and just like Peter, Jesus tells him stuff about his life that nobody else would have known. And as he realises who Jesus is, he becomes a follower. And this is the start of Jesus' followers' journey. And it's the start of what we now call the church. You know, two turned into three, three into four, and suddenly there's 12, then there's 72, then it's just everywhere. Everywhere. And here we are, over 3,000 miles from where those things took place. Years later, all because a bunch of guys, they took up the invitation to come and see. And then they went to tell so that others could come and see. And here we are. Here we are at Trent Vineyard, here in 2023. We are literally in this cycle. We have a vital role because without us, the outward looking cycle breaks down. Okay, time for a bit of congregational participation. You up for that? Yeah, love that you said yes before you even knew what it was. Um, The first service didn't quite get this, so I'm going to do my best to fully explain it. And I think you're perhaps more intelligent, I don't know. Um, But pointing out the... (laughs) I imagine, no one will hear it, hopefully. Um, Hopefully. Pointing out the obvious, you're all here today. Yeah? You're all here. And so at some point, whether you know Jesus or not, 
you decided to take up an invitation to at least come and hear about him. So, here it's going to come up a question, two questions, two statements, in fact. And I want you to work out whether you are A or B. Okay, so A is you first came to this church because someone either told you about it or invited you to come. Or B, you'd consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you came to faith because someone at some point told you about Jesus. Okay, got it? Read those statements? So if either A or B, either of those two, if they are true of you, when I say three, pop your hand up. One, two, three, go. Look around. Look around. It's amazing. Now you pop your hands down. Now, of course, like some people come to faith independently. You know, perhaps they're just reading the scriptures or God reveals himself in a dream or they just, you know, find themselves just being compelled to come to church. But you don't need to be a statistician to realise that most of us actually came to church because at some point we met someone who was outward looking, who bothered to invite us to come and see Jesus. And so if we base ourselves on our little survey this morning, but more importantly, on the scriptures, way more importantly, it's crucial that we continue to be and increasingly be, go and tell people so that others might come and see, so that they might go and tell. And as I said earlier, outward looking is really at the heart of the gospel. It's the reason that Jesus came. It's what he modelled, but it's also what he taught his disciples to do. Go to everyone everywhere. It just couldn't be a clearer command. And I think we've got to be careful when we open up the scriptures because there's some amazing stuff in there that everyone loves to hear. We love to hear, for God so loved the world. We love to hear that he loved us, he chose us, he set us free, he redeemed us. We could go on and on and on. But we can't just pick and choose. It's so clear that God is saying, go. Okay, John 21, 2021. This is after the resurrection now, it's Jesus speaking. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And if you read the other Gospels, as you can see up there, you'll see Jesus commissioning his disciples to go. You can see it in Mark. You can see it uh, in Luke, if you were to read Luke 24, which carries on, continues in Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And probably the most famous of all of them, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them, that's what we're going to be doing next week, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he promises his presence. You see, it's clear, we're called to go and tell near, far and everywhere. And later on this afternoon, get your Bible out if you like, flick through the book of John, because what you'll see is just how many interactions Jesus has. But it's not like with one type of person. It's with such a broad spectrum of society. You see, we've just looked at, he recruits the disciples, like ordinary working class people. But then he goes to those with wealth. Then he meets those on the margins. He meets those who need physical help. He meets those who need emotional help. He meets those who are in mourning. It's amazing. Basically, the good news of Jesus is for everyone and it's everywhere. And so the question I've got for you and also for me is, who are you going to invite to come and see Jesus this week? 
because there's people on your streets, the bus, in your offices, the school gates, your uni mates, your housemates, perhaps your family member nobody really likes. There's people who are out there who God is longing that they might meet him. And in our hands, just like that song we said, we've got literally the hope of the world in our hands. So where are we going to go? You see, if the hallmarks describe what we're like, if we're like the way we do what we do, then it's got to be true of us, not just here on a Sunday, but in all areas of our life. It might be an invitation to that mega baptism service next week. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. But it's got to go way beyond that. Because if you're here and you're following Jesus, you've got a story to tell. And I felt as I was prepping this yesterday, I felt like the Lord said, there's some people here in this room and in this space watching online who you're in pain right now. And you've got things going on in your life and you just think, I just don't have anything. But let me tell you this, that the way that you process your pain, the way that you walk through pain and you have a trust in a God who is unshakable is actually an amazing witness to a hurting world. So don't disqualify yourself if you're in pain. You know, inviting someone to come and see, it might feel like a bit of a risk. You might get thrown out of Sainsbury's. But really, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to die of embarrassment. Maybe it's going to be a little bit awkward. But what's the best that can happen? Well, the best that can happen is that you are part of someone's story of seeing them come to know Jesus. And you know what's interesting for me as I read the, as I read the Scriptures is that these disciples... The command to go and tell, it wasn't like um, they were making a jobs list and they were like, go and tell, tick, done that. It wasn't a chore. It literally bubbled out because their revelation of Jesus was just so great. They had come and seen and they just had to go and tell, even when they were getting persecuted. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like when you fall in love with someone or something for the first time. I don't know, the new TV show, the guy, the girl, the pet. You know, you get a new baby. You go to an S Club concert. Like, you don't have to be told to tell everyone about it because you're just so enamoured. And my, my prayer for us here at Trent, our prayer in this season and as we go forward, is that we would be so enamoured by coming and seeing Jesus that sharing our faith would not be... It would not be a tick box exercise. It would not be a chore. It would be because we just couldn't help ourselves because we'd seen the Lord. You know, imagine, just cast your mind forward, perhaps if we all embrace this next year, can you imagine the baptism service? I mean, we'd have to get shares in Lazy Spa hot tubs because to make space. Amazing. I just love hearing come and tell stories. And I'm going to finish with a couple of stories. There was a young lady who came to DTI last year. She met Jesus. Her prayer was that her friend would meet Jesus. She went home. She invited her friend. Her friend came and met Jesus this year. Come and see. Go and tell. Come and see. Or of Amrith and John, their members here in this church, they didn't know Jesus, but in a short space of time, they were invited to Alpha, okay, by their friend Amy, a vicar, and another friend. Three invitations, three come and see invitations. They ended up coming to see, they had their lives totally transformed by meeting Jesus. And then they said this, we just had to go and tell our friends. We just had to, we had to. And so they do that. And then one of their friends is having a difficult time. They hand them out the changing lives, why Jesus books. And then this guy is now coming to see Jesus. Go and tell, come and see, go and tell. I'll finish with this, my story. Um, over the years, 
And, uh, you know, as part of working here and with my role with DTI, I've probably actually had the privilege of seeing maybe a few thousand people come to know Jesus. And of course, there's been lots of people involved in the mix of that. And on a personal level, I have seen some of my friends come to see Jesus, who have then gone on to tell others. But why am I here? (laughs) Some of you are wondering, why is she here? Um, Well, it was this. It was because as I was growing up, over and over again, so many people invited me to come and see Jesus. You know, and it, and it got to the point, I had loads of questions, but it got to the point where a youth leader said to me one day, they said to me, Susie, you just need to come and see Jesus for yourself and experience him. And so they prayed for me, and I remember in that moment, I had a moment that has changed the trajectory of my life forever. I can't properly put it into words, but I encountered something of the love of God. It was amazing. And where I'd be without Jesus, I honestly don't know. But as I look back, you know what? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that somebody bothered to tell me. Somebody bothered to invite me to come and see. You see, I'm grateful, and you've got to track with me on this, that my mum's friend's friend told them about Jesus. I'm grateful then that my mum's friend told my mum about Jesus. I'm grateful then that my mum told my dad and some of others of our family about Jesus. I'm grateful that my mum actually told me about Jesus and she, she persevered with me through those teenage years and was like, it's got to be our priority. And I remember one day I so didn't want to go to church that I slammed my hand against the wall. Obviously, I'm refined now. But I've got a little scar on there because my mum so badly wanted me to see Jesus. I'm grateful that my youth leaders persevered. I'm grateful that my friend, and I told you about this the other day, persevered and pushed me closer to Jesus, even when he described me as the most discouraging Christian he'd ever met. (laughs) Saw him at a party this year, it was hilarious. Anyway, you see, it's like a chain reaction. Come and see, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. I finished with this. Let's look again at that quote from C.S. Lewis. And I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but I've adapted his quote for us personally. Can we get it up there? Trent Vineyard exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. If we're not doing that, then all the blue warehouses, and I think we should include the kids' centres, youth centres, compassion centres, the pastors... All our ministries and activities, this talk, even the Bible itself, they're simply a waste of time because God became man for no other purpose. Along with those other hallmarks, we are called to be a church that always looks beyond ourselves. Shall we pray? Why don't we stand together? 